made. Deep, Did you know that? Deep, deep dive on Yeah. Let's take the deep dive on Decoded Podcast today, Chris. You know why we can do that? Why? Because only thought leaders can dive deeply. Are you telling me I'm a thought leader? I'm saying that all of our listeners should expect. They should expect um, full, fully engaged thought leaders every single Saturday or later Saturday or sometimes Friday night or sometimes midweek or sometimes we can't get to it, but we should, we need to be those fully um, invested, integrated, generative, um, innovative, collaborative, intuitive, restorative, accepting, equitable, responsible thought leaders. So if you fill those pants, you wear them, son. Oh, that is a bar. That is a bar. That's how high the bar is. <laughs> we just over. I'm, <laughs> I'm over here. Thanks, <laughs> We're filling the pool. We're filling the pool. We're filling the pool and starting at the deep end. I'd prefer the pool be empty and I can skateboard in it. Because nice. this is where you set the bar. And oh. this is where I am. It's the expectations. High expectations. I do. I do not consider myself a thought leader. I don't even. It's just a funny. Okay, funny. I know. I'm messing back. I'm playing with the funny. Yeah, yeah. It's. It is the funny. We don't. I mean, do, do people? I don't know. I guess it's. It's uh, disingenuous because I have seen. I still have seen that in. Um, in people's profiles, uh, I have. Uh, you know, telling you just before we hit the record that I'm, I'm not leaning on Twitter too heavily these days, but every once in a while, you know what I'm doing more often? I Before you, we hit okay. the record, we are, we did hit record. Were we already talking about this? No, like before we hit the record, oh, talking about sorry. Twitter. Okay, sorry, sorry. Yeah, no, 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 yeah. Not as in, I want to talk about this before. I'm, I'm aware. I can see the red, I can see the red live two minutes in conversation. We started, um, I am more often now, and I don't know if I did this before. I don't think I did it as often. I spend more time on socials now reading people's profiles than I actually read their content. I'm doing that a lot more now. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why. I just, I'm, I'm thinking about that now. Like I'll go and I'll check to see their profile. Um, still, I'm slow to follow, still slow to follow people on any of the platforms that I play with, but I feel like I'm just spending more time looking at, looking at the profile. I'm not sure why. Um, you know what? But in so, that, sorry, that's how I noticed thought leaders that people are still including that in their uh, profile, profile uh, blurb. Sometimes you say stuff that activates a part of my creative brain. And I really <laughs> like that. And <laughs> normally that bugs people about my personality. They're like, Clough, you're too much. You're a lot. You're a lot, Clough. You know, Clough, I guess I've just, <laughs> I just, I, I've gotten used to you and uh, gotten to know you a bit better. Just a bit. I'm, I'm pulling up the chair for this analysis. Go. It's almost like when you don't, when you don't push, when you do, when you don't come in strong and hard with your ideas and your, your big thoughts, mm -hmm. it's like something's missing in my life when you don't mm. come at me like that. I went for a walk this morning. Maybe that's it. I okay. got out for a walk. Yeah. You've given me a great creative idea. 
around the Twitter profile reading. And I like that. I like that you made that, um, that you actually said it. Like, because you know how people do a lot of things that they never talk about? I like that you have expressed the fact that a lot of you reading these days on socials are the profiles and that you've noticed that and that you're expressing that. I like that. Mm-hmm. I think, um, it, well, you're welcome. I'll start with that. You're welcome for bringing that to mind for you. I think it's, uh, I don't know. I, I think I'm probably for a time there. It had a, a, like the fact that I didn't really, that I was more invested in looking at content. I'm guessing it's probably just because that's, in some ways, maybe that's a part of the apprenticeship of figuring out how to use socials. Like you're just, your thumbs hovering over the like button. And then you sort of move into a space. The next space is like, well, no, it's one thing to like, but maybe I can express that I like it by trying to send them a DM or actually posting. I guess you could go from liked. I mean, there's a lot, who knows what the, I, I don't have, I don't have lurk. I don't have the sort of like the lurking, uh, spectrum of growth from you know just looking at stuff to actually activating but you know in the beginning you're just using the single tap 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 to kind of interact and then at some point you sort of aim for some conversation and i don't know i think be also because i've i've left the room several times and kind of burnt the house down and then rebuilt it and come back and kind of as the tool it's like i need that phoenix moment to remind me that the social media is not a real thing as real for me it doesn't have to be a real thing and i can rebuild it and kind of reconnect um i like to think that i can that it's negotiable that my relationship with social media is negotiable now in saying that what's interesting is i'm starting to appreciate more that the relationship with the people that I've connected with on social media is not as negotiable. Like it, the relationship is negotiable, but I'm not looking. I don't, I think at one point me leaving Twitter was entirely, um, was entirely not entirely, but big part of that was my perception that um, it wasn't about the relationships. I, I was resistant to thinking about, using social media from the position of me actually having relationships with the people that I follow again, because I was caught up in the, how many people can I, how many people can I incite to follow me? How many people should I follow? Like, 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 re, 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 all that kind of stuff, right? Retweeting stuff. And I know I'm picking on Twitter right now, but I feel like my behavior is very similar across the panel now with social media mm -hmm. is that I'm, I find that as far as the things that I want to post, I feel like I'm more centered in posting things that um, are interesting to me. So maybe I'm kind of representing a more authentic version of, of who I am to people and whoever chooses to connect with me. And when I do reach out and I connect with someone on something they posted, it's no short order. I find myself in a conversation. I think that's that can be happenstance. You catch a person in the right moment. But I'm now... I'm I'm expecting more often now that I've if I if I respond to someone's tweet or insta or reel, I expect that there's gonna be some back and forth. And I'm and I know that's the it's I don't know if it's the opposite, but there's a progression there because you know we've seen we've seen the conversations and been a part of the conversations 
where people are saying like, I've been posting stuff up for five years and I have 10 followers and no one will talk to me. Like they feel like they're in the middle of a great big room, a noisy room and no one's, you know, coming over to where they're sitting. Mm -hmm. um, so it's fascinating. I think maybe the next, the next level, the next level, at least for me now is that, you know, I'm comfortable with the conversations, comfortable with pursuing conversations, more confident in, in seeing what's posted and knowing whether or not um, there's like knowing myself more as to whether or not that's actually of interest. So not just hovering over the like button as much anymore. Uh, and, and really now I'm starting to, if I guess part of it is that if I feel like I've started to harmonize and kind of synchronize <clears throat> the, the person that I'm projecting into social media Maybe my brain is saying, well, now I'm going to start to look more closely at the people and let's see how in alignment they are. Like, I want to try and get to know them at a deeper level. Um, through that, I have found that some of the people that I've connected with or considering connecting with, they have the word thought leader in their profile. Um, I will say that I'm, I've, I'm connected with far more people now that, sorry, do this a different way far fewer teachers than I would say 10 years ago, five years ago in using social media. Um, I don't follow as, I don't follow nearly as many educators as I used to. You and I've talked about this though. I think if I'm looking for inspiration, I think I want people to be sort of revealing or sharing or talking about stuff that's going on in their life. Like I, I, I get more inspired sort of by that. I feel more creative. It kind of sparks up. It's not like a hammer. It's not like a, a Thor hammer, a Hulk smash to my forehead. This is a really great, there's a picture of my organized classroom. I'm more inspired by someone sort of thinking about organization, just as an example, and not posting up their Pinterest pictures. Like that would have, that would have fascinated me at one point in my career. Cause I'd be like, yeah, I want to use that. I want to use that. I want to use that. I think what I want now more than people's content is I want my brain to be thinking about their content. I want my brain to be, uh, I want the dissonance of it. I want that moment in some ways, like you just said, like I want to feel provoked into thinking and trying to sort of curate individuals that help me get there. I think part of that is checking out their profiles now. Um, and it's not judging a book by the cover in as much as I'm, I'm expecting if I, if I, if I'm trying to operate from some space of authenticity, as far as my profile goes, I think it's fair for me to expect something similar in other people. So last thing I'll say, if someone is putting thought leader in their profile, that's not an, they may be rocking authenticity, but I know for sure that if that's what you're projecting, I'm not interested in that. Like if that's, if that's part of your, your superhero emblem, that you're a thought leader. If you're saying that about yourself, if someone else told it to you and you took it on, I don't know. Kind of because I like who says that about themselves. Well, we did. I did because we are thought leaders with decoded. Just each other, though. Just each other, leading each other in our thinking. At the start of everything you were saying about that, <clears throat> the word fluency came to my mind mm -hmm. that you've become. Let's use Twitter as the example again. The way you you came into it, the different uh, stages you went through as you mm -hmm. as you experienced it, 
walking away from it, tearing it all down, building it back up. Now you're in a space where, like sometimes I'm exhausted by listening to you talk about your use of Twitter. Like your intentional use is so focused that sometimes like it hurts. It's like when it's it's like when something is so focused, it has power, and that power can cause disruption and discomfort. Is it like listening to Goggins? Like it oh not not as good or as powerful, but I think that was one of the reasons I had to walk away from like Gary V and Goggins, because they're so single-minded in it. I don't always find an access point. Is it similar? I would say yes. Okay. I would say yes. It's funny that you mentioned those two because those two, when I listen to them, I feel like this this euphoric feeling. And what I'll tell you what it is. It's people saying stuff that other people think all the time and never say. Mm. This is this is fascinating to me these days is to hear somebody say something. Somebody makes a declaration. And then all of a sudden, you've got all these people around them gathering to hear more. Mm-hmm. And you've got me kind of in the back on the outside thinking, why is everybody so interested in this? What that person said, we all think of every day. But it's not until somebody actually declares it that it becomes novel in some way. Because it's never been declared before. Because it's everybody's taken it for granted, let's say. I'm trying to find a great example. Nothing's coming to mind at the moment. But, but those two guys say a lot of those things. Gary more around business and relationship. Goggins more around like the journey to finding your true self and and truly being, being who you are after you take all the layers off. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, the attraction, the attraction is the like the who cares what people think of me, because really, oh, there's a lot of layers. I'm not going to get into them, but. It's their dedication to their craft and the ability to just not let anything truly get in the way of it. Mm -hmm. Because I'll give you an example. For me, I don't say and do everything I want to say and do because there are consequences to those actions. And I guess my, my want or need to do the things I want to do are, are not bigger than my need to, I guess, comply and to feel included in certain groups or areas of life, I guess. And that's my choice. So I'm not being a crybaby. I'm just saying I've chosen not to go down that road the way that they preach going down that road. And that's fine Hmm. too. Everybody's got their own cup of tea, right? Everybody's got to do their own thing. And, and I'll tell you something really cool too. Listening to those two guys, for example, And then looking at my life and being where I am today, it's so cool for me to think 10 years ago, I don't think my brain would have been able to comprehend any of this because Mm. I wasn't ready. I just wasn't ready. So people will say to me these days, especially people who have known me for years as a teacher, when we... Okay, so this I'll give you some context. A couple of what's happening is I'm I'm ending up working in schools with kids 
where I know staff members that I've either, either worked with years ago or they just have known me for a long time being in the board and committee work and workshops and whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So on the side, when I see them at the rink, the rink's a great, that's where I'm always at the rink. I'm nowhere else. So at the rink or funny in the parking lot, walking into a building at the, the Catholic education center, I'll run into people and we start talking about re-engagement mm -hmm. and they start to explain re-engagement from their perspective and they're thinking what I would call inside the box. They're thinking inside the box, inside the EDU silo of how mm -hmm. school works, how students should operate. And I listen to them and I tell them, yes, you're right. Like normally this would happen or whatever, but I said, re-engagement has been called in and we're like a really weird, special kind of thing because we're always kind of looking outside the box. When I get, when I catch myself inside the box, I like slap my hand and then go back outside the box because the inside the box didn't work for these kids for whatever reason. What can we do on the outside to try to bring them closer to school and mm -hmm. to maybe even get them inside the box again for certain things? And when I explain my perspective and when I explain how, for example, the team I'm on, how we operate, the look on their face is so, it's so interesting to see because I can, I can tell you what I think they're thinking. They're like, okay, Roland, I hear what you're saying and I'm giving it credit because you're saying it and we have a connection, a relationship and I know you, but I can't do what you're asking me to do. Like how do teachers and principals and guidance counselors do these things? And I'm like, they don't, we don't do anything alone. It's always like we, you know, it's in collaboration. I said, it's important for me to have relationships too, because people are like you, they're conflicted. They don't know. They're like, okay, we know you've been doing the job for a long time, but what you're saying is kind of risque. And I'm like, yeah, it is. But what else are you going to do? <laughs> the mm -hmm. kids, the kids not doing school at the moment. And all the, all the traditional stuff, <clears throat> it's not working. It's never worked for this kid. And I know that because I taught some of them when they were little. And I remember saying to myself, if something doesn't change here, <clears throat> this kid's going to quit school. Something's going to happen to this kid that's not desirable. If, if something doesn't change. If I can see that in a primary student, unfortunately, some of what I've said has come true. Because now I'm looking at them in high school mm -hmm. or, or, you know, grade seven and eight, and they are within the system. They are lost. They are lost. And um, people want things to happen within the system time frame. And sometimes we say to people, I'm sorry, that's not how it works. I've been doing this now long enough to see some of my referrals from October. Some of them have closed and we've set, we've helped set these kids on a path that they're comfortable with, that they're, they're feeling good about. Then we have other kids who have done the up and down since October, November, done really well, dropped, get back up and do well, drop. And we see that pattern. So now as a team, we're trying to figure out what is it that leads to the drop? And is it, how much of that can we play with? If it's a home thing, then maybe we need more social work support 
when we start to see these signs. Mm -hmm. If it's an academic thing, maybe as the academic person, I need to I need to jump in and literally hold this person's hand during those times to model for them what to say, what to do, and to advocate to the school on, hey, this person's had success, this happens, then they drop. We don't, let's try to avoid that if we can. So it's like, I know I've not been doing it that long, but I've been doing it long enough that I've seen patterns already. Like, like bright as bright as a sunny day, these patterns are in my face and the re-engagement team sees them. But then when you, when you talk to the system, this is the beautiful part about relationships. People I know will listen to me because they have a relationship with me. Then they'll tell me I'm nuts. And then we work out a deal on how to proceed to try to provide a positive bridge for the student to cross. Yep. Now, with people I don't have a relationship with, I lean on examples and I lean on my relationships with other people. I say, listen, at this school, I saw something similar. Let's kind of, let's just play around with this, right? Because the other thing too, the other layer, people are worried they want results. They need results. Yeah. Now, the good news is, is that from as a team, as a re-engagement team, we've been able to provide our principal and superintendent with numbers that show that the work we're doing with the schools and with the families and the students is moving in a, in a right direction. So that's awesome, right? Because it'd be horrible to say, yeah, uh, none of it's working. That's yeah, not, true. That's not the case. Things are working. They're not working as fast as the system would like them to. And I don't, that's not a, that's not a slight against anybody like that's just uh, the system is a big machine, right? And and the machine's supposed to never stop moving. It's supposed to always be moving forward. And people are people are getting thrown off the back and then running to try to get back on. And the system's like get everybody back on. We're like, well, that's not how it works. This person's taking a break. Reengagement team will find some type of device to bring them right back up to the machine. But until then, yeah, leave them alone. Like let me just do what I need to do. So. There's, I'm finding a fluency in the chaos, which is pretty cool. There's a way of operating. And when I talk to people and they, they tilt their head and they look at me funny and I'm like, trust me, like, trust me. I've done, you know, me from before this, you know, I, I, I need to bring results to the table too, but think outside the box for a little bit and walk with me as we talk and think so you don't feel so lost. Cause trust me, when I came into this, and still some days, dude, I get a referral and it. I now laugh after I feel what I feel reading the referral. I literally laugh and I tell myself, I have no idea which way this is going to go. Mm. I've gotten referrals where I think this is going to be easy and they're still on my caseload. Then I've gotten referrals where I'm like, oh my God, I don't, I don't even know what to do with this. I don't even know where to begin. And those cases are closed. Students back in school and kicking butt. So it's one of those you just never know. And I kind of, I'm really, I'm digging that these days. The, I don't, I don't know, but I lean on past experience. I lean on relationships. My team, we're constantly talking like, like daily, like daily texts, team meets face to face. Like we are in each other's faces all day, every day to try to figure out how do you, how do you do this? What do you do here? Who do you talk to about this? Um, but yeah, the outside looking in, they're looking at me like I'm nuts. And I'm looking at them saying, I've been in your shoes. 
I was in your shoes for 20 years. So I understand, but lean on some of these things, ask the tough questions, you know, figure out who you need to talk to, to make something happen. Because again, relationships, people, people know other people and make things happen because they know other people. And dude, I know I'm really, this will be the last thing. This week was a wicked awesome week in terms of seeing how flexible and accommodating teachers can be. I'm dealing with some, I'm dealing with some students who have teachers that are like in the classroom going wild and nuts and revving their engines to do their job right. And then you've got me saying, Hey, I'm here too. And I'm with this kid and we're on the outside. Can you, can you flex enough to let me have some leeway with this kid? And I will work with this kid to, tr to try to build the bridge back, but I, I need some flexibility. And if they say, no, that's fine. I work with whatever I work with, but I've seen these teachers this week, just like flex, totally bend and not break. And I'm, I'm so appreciative. Like when I talk about my work from a big picture, it truly is a collaborative process and people have, people are showing faith in something bigger than themselves and their classrooms and their schools. And I take that very seriously. So it's so far been a wild ride and every, I don't know what I'm going to get every day. I, I don't know day to day what's happening. I just go with the flow and I, I honor the kid and the process as much as I can. But then I also honor that part of, I got to think outside the box because inside the box never worked for this kid. Mm. And I've been the teacher that has said, if something doesn't change with that kid, game's over. And unfortunately, yeah, I've seen it happen now. A half a dozen, I have half a dozen pieces of proof of me saying it in grade one to three or mm -hmm. four to five. And here we are today. And unfortunately, what I said was going to happen if nobody did anything has happened. And I'm part of the process of picking up the pieces and trying to see how do we how do we kind of fix this for the kid? Right. Hmm. It's pretty wild, man. It's pretty yeah, wild. it is. And I, I like what you mentioned about the surprising flexibility, the surprising flexibility. There's, there's, I know that um, we're all put in, we're all put in places in the boards, right? We have our, our, our jobs that we've been hired to do. We've, we've a staff that we, as you've kind of mentioned, like the importance of being able to lean on staff. Um, it's amazing how that does set up some, some silos, right? You know, we, we got some silo, some siloed thinking. Um, it reminds me very much of when, when I was doing the access and the, the suspension work, I was, I was working out of an alternative site. Like it was a, it was a portable that um, was on a school property, but we had our own principal. So we weren't, so I was working down the hall from in this actual, in this uh, a portable outback, there was us. So it was the expulsion suspension program. Uh, just down the hall was the alt ed program. 
across the hall was um, sort of across the hall and down was the, uh, there was a community, maybe Canark, I forget which one. So that's another school as well, right? Like that's a, so there's me, us were a school within the school. And then you have the alt ed program, which was actually of the school that was there. And then down the hall again was the Kinark. I think it was the Kinark program. So another, another school within the school. And like, it's remarkable to be up and down the hall from each other and actually having three operationally, three different uh, teams, go-to teams. Um, but I will tell you one of the, some of the coolest moments was when we were able to share thinking and share resources. And all it took was to just kind of walk down the hall, right? Just just to walk down the hall and kind of talk to each other. Um, and you know, we didn't we we had that luxury. And I know you're operating on a on a system wide, but I think sometimes that silo thinking follows you, right? Like your transition into becoming the engagement teacher, I think took some time to start to see what it means to sort of cruise. I want to. I don't. I don't want to say altitude. I want to make it more about seeing the access points and the actual connectivity and the domino effect between programming. Because it almost suggests to me, like if you're cruising at ten thousand feet, like somehow you've got nothing invested that you could somehow just pass over. But you actually don't get to. What you, I think, you've started to see is the necessity of the each doorway that you need to walk through. Because that's physically what you're doing. You're walking into a school. You're actually walking into a school and meeting new people going into guidance spaces and talking to guidance counselors, going into administrative offices, you're meeting the humans, you know, face to face. So it's not as if you get to just drop in because you've talked about the logistics of this. You don't get to drop in and you know, you don't get to drop in because what it actually takes to be a part of their lives means you have to schedule this and you have to be accountable for this. So you are working the relationships. Like that's the, that's like your concrete criteria success criteria for maintaining relationships that you're not able to just physically walk down the hallway right that accountability part i'm sure there's the social emotional part of it as well like you being in there and not being an a-hole helps right not going in there and being demanding not going in there being authoritative being open being sort of uh, opportunistic in a sort of like shared way like these are the things that help when you actually get in the door that the next time you send the email, they're like, yeah, 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 totally. I want to talk to Roland. He's kind of an interesting dude. So, you know, moving out into the system when you first got out there, I, you know, I've listened, I've listened to how you've grown into the role and I can hear now how you see yourself. You see the school board as one big campus. Your, and your ability to move through these spaces means that you've actually, you've done the handshakes and started to reinforce these connections. And I, it's cool to hear because it's that's an that's an experience. If I imprint it with my experience, when I arrived at Access and I arrived at this sort of island space that, as you mentioned, a year before, if I had stood up in a staff meeting and said, "Where did the students go that have been sent?" Like, tell me specifically, GPS it for me. Where do the students go that have been suspended or expelled? I don't think, I don't think they would be able to, I don't think, um, no, I know people like, I don't know. They just get suspended. Like they had no clue of where these individuals disappeared to, which again, silo thinking the students no longer in your classroom. They're somewhere. Oh, they're on suspension An entirely sort of data cold sort of analysis of where that kid is at. Um, 
in some cases, in some cases, the sort of like some of the irony in this is that because we were on a school property, there were kids that got suspended from that school, that school property, and then just walked across the parking lot and were in the portable with us. So, you know, to be able to kind of locate where these individuals are in both a kind of philosophical stance or, you know, actual stance, that information is important. And it's important not only to know how the kids move through the system, but I think also important, an important reminder that, you know, when I arrived at Access, I was still thinking about resources and people that I knew in the system that I knew I was going to tap on their shoulder and say, hey, can I use this resource? And I knew full well that depending, sometimes depending on the mood, sometimes depending on the budgeting, sometimes depending on the time of day or how much pre-work I'd done, they would say, well, that's not really for Access. That's a insert, you know, that's a co-op tool or that's a alternative ed tool. But what I had learned is that those tools, those tools are handed to some departments, but you're never ever told in that department, don't let anybody else use this. And I knew that from the inside, there were tons of stuff when I was doing alt ed back at my inside, you know, the regular school, there were things that I was doing in there that I would say, hey, you know what, maybe we should sort of share some of these. Re well, and we did. Let's share these resources with the guidance department. Let's share that because that's the point, right? That you're the point person. You get something from the board and you can decide whether or not it's going to be up on your shelf and it dies there and no one else gets to use it. I can't tell what the one of the, the only cool thing about arriving at the access site. The only cool thing as far as, let's say, content or tools or resources that really fascinated me was to be able to go through old paperwork and to see what type of programming, what kind of initiatives, what type of support was being provided from the board to the access program that made me kind of go, wow, it would have been really cool if some of this had made it to like the spec ed classrooms back at my former school. I had no idea. And of course, just because, you know, we're not getting to the conversations, you don't know, like you don't necessarily know, even when you're in your class, you're in your classroom back at St. John's, you wouldn't necessarily know what the grade eight teacher resources would be. So breaking into this kind of idea of system thinking is a really powerful, it's a powerful, slightly frightening sometimes, and empowering mindset. And I would encourage more teachers to find a way to kind of tap into that, um, especially if you're a classroom teacher, because I think it gives you a better perspective on the opportunity that's out there and the sort of the, some of the richness of the tools. And if anything, if anything, it also just creates some humility in you because you start to see that, you know, common struggles in places across the board and how there's other educators maybe struggling in the same direction as, as you and you never really knew it. So I love it. I love hearing about your sort of observations of engagement. And I've, I've mentioned it once or twice. Uh, I'll be fascinated to see if any of it has to be put back in the box when you, you know, whatever your next, whatever your next move might be, whatever it might be, like, what are you going to, what are you going to steal from this, this experience to make sure it just, yeah, how those artifacts going to stay with you. That'll be some cool work too. Whatever it takes. You're in this role again. Can't wait to hear what the 2.0 is. You're back in the classroom. Can't wait to hear what that version of is. But now that this experience has happened, I said this to, I've said this to kid in spoken word. I said it when kids have created art. I've said it in even some of my like poetry spaces. Now that you've created this poem, now what? Now that it's out in the world, now what? And sometimes they're like, what do you mean? I just, I, I've just said it. Now that you've created this video, Chids, about this specific thing, now what? And I get it can be pure expression. But when you start to think about the ripple effect, now what? You've taken the time. It's connected with some people. 
you've mentioned before people have circled back like hey you're now in this you're in this engagement thing are you doing tech you had the exact same ripple effect the starting of the you started the ripples 10 years ago when you started to do some early wonderings about equity but definitely tech in the classroom tech integration it's circling back now 10 years later that's a now what now that this thing's in the world you now have engagement out in the world so now what job interview question sorry i sorry I, not sorry initially this is what i would love this is what i would love for my experience to end up um culminating as okay you ready for this so my i am my current, my current principal has been in so many different roles within my system um student success um, you know, alternative education, mainstream education, uh, consultant. She's done so much in within the system that when we ask her a question and she answers it, we're blown away every time mm. because she's got this. She's got this perspective that comes from all those experiences and all those different perspectives. It's like. It's like she's at 10,000 feet and she's visited all the, all the different airports in the world. And now she's just hovering and we ask a question and she's able to connect that question to something within the system and then come back up and, and make it bigger for us. Like she'll say, okay, well, this process operates this way, but here's, here's a crack in that process that we're going to make bigger so that we can help the student walk through that crack and enter into this space without having to go through the front door because the front doors like she just knows so much that when she answers a question she drops wisdom that is mm -hmm. like like we look at each other like we're mind blown i would love <laughs> for me to be able to do that for somebody to say to me ask me a question and be able to respond in a way that they're looking at me like, holy cow, that's that's awesome or that's crazy, but like mind blown. Without me knowing it, I just, for me, it's normal. So for my principal, it's just normal. But she just has this insight, like uh, the one day we were talking about, now I'm not gonna do this justice, but we were talking about a situation, like a parent-teacher interview, and then, you know, the kid and the parent leave. And then the next day when the kid's at school and you're debriefing with the kid, the kid says, yeah, after that crazy meeting, you know, my mom took me to McDonald's and we had lunch. And then from a teacher's perspective, we're like, you were rewarded after that meeting where we were basically telling your mom and you that you're not doing your part, you're not stepping up, yada, yada, yada. And when you're looking at it, like, and again, I'm not explaining it properly, but when you're looking at it through just this one narrow hallway, you feel like there was no justice there. But then my principal comes in and she basically picks you up and drops you in the schoolyard and says, look around. You're not in a hallway. You're in the middle of this great big space and there are all kinds of things happening. And then she explains, she explains the perspective of the mother trying to salvage the relationship with the child because that's all the mother and the child have is that relationship. 
mm-hmm. within the poverty and the addiction and the lack of am- academic success and you know not a lot of friends and like the list goes on of the deficiencies my principal pinpoints the advantage of the experience that this mother just had with this kid after the meeting and explains it to us in a way that we would never understand unless we've experienced that type of world for for a period of time to become fluent with it like it was just you could see all the experience and knowledge and understanding come out of our principal in three sentences she's like hold on you're looking at it this way let me give you a couple of other different perspectives on why this occurred and now what you do with it yeah you did your job as the teacher within the system you reported to the parent what's going on you're looking for that parent teacher uh collaboration relationship but let me tell you why it's not working because there are reasons beyond you and beyond the system and if you understand that then what can you do next what's your next move to to rebuild the student to maintain relationship with the parent like it's pretty messy and complicated but i'll never forget when my principal answered the question and when she kind of explained the perspective i was like oh my god this was one of those this was one of those nugget moments that this wasn't going to come from me sitting in a regular school talking to my principal about a meeting I just had with a parent, unless it's mm-hmm. unless it's a principal who's been out and about and now has been dropped into the building and said, okay, you're back in the box, do your job. Because right now my principal's not in the box. She's the principal of international education, yeah, alternative education, safe schools, like that's her job right now. So she's dealing with she's the outside the box principal at the moment because she's dealing with all these things that there are rules and regulations and processes but you're dealing with like a variety of of humans who don't fit the box for whatever reason at the moment and you need to find them a place and they need to be educated and they need to prove that they're learning right like they need to still provide inside the box um data proof that we're being effective as like employees and, and educators to mm-hmm. kids who never want to look at the box again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> never, ever. And will sometimes, you know, feel the need to defend or retaliate, right? Mm-hmm. Don't put me in the box. Don't talk to me like I'm in the box. Don't look at me in the box. So it's funny because then I, I, Okay, here's another great example. Do it. I text students on my work phone. I have a phone from work. And a lot of the ways I communicate with my my students, my high school students, is via text. They don't want to talk on the phone. And it's hard to get them face-to-face sometimes. So the texting is, is that middle ground. And the one day, the one day... I met up with one of the students and he said to me, what, what's up with the texts? I'm like, what's wrong? What's the problem? He goes, you are not your normal self. I said, I don't understand. He pulls out his phone. He's like, read your texts to me. They were very anal and they were very inside the box texts, right? Because I'm a professional. And so like, I can't be street talk. Like I'm, I'm at the end of the day, I'm still a teacher. And he's like, what? This doesn't sound like you. 
like when we're talking face to face, I said, oh, I said, well, it's like I'm communicating with you, like, in a kind of a formal way through text. And I need to remember that I'm a teacher. I work for the school board. And so I, I need to ensure like a level of professionalism. And he's looking at me like, well, this doesn't work for me. I'm like, you know what I said to him? I said, that's why we need to continue to meet face to face. Because face to face, I can mirror your body language. I can mirror uh, what you're saying to me, right? Like I can absorb it and I can give it back to you in a way that you're going to understand. I said, I'm not going to do that over text. So let's use text as a way to, to set up times to meet face to face. So then I can provide you with a role in that you understand and that maybe you'll respect and maybe you'll work with. It was just funny. He's like, he's holding the phone. He's like, this isn't you, Chidiac. And I taught this kid in grade one. And he's like, he's in grade 12 or 11 now. And he's like, this isn't, this isn't you. And I'm like, well, if you walked up to my boss and you said, look at, look at how your teacher talks to me. Like, they're going to be like, well, my boss will understand what's going on in that realm. And I'm not doing anything wrong. It's just... I'll te I text him, like, hey, it's Roland, re-engagement teacher, WCDSB. I haven't seen you to school. I'd like to talk to you about this course and this course and how I can support you. And he's like, why are you talking like that? I'm like, well, this is my job. <laughs> he's like, that's not how you talk to me in real life. And then that's when I dropped the, well, you've been avoiding me lately. So I haven't had the chance to talk to you in real life. What's, what's up with that? And next thing you know, the ball's in their court. And I'm like, you don't like you don't like the anal retentive texts, then when you tell me you're going to be here, be here so we can talk. You know I'm not going to Shanghai you. You know I'm not going to throw you under the bus. So why are you doing that to me? And then it's real talk. Right? Then it's like, I'm sorry. This is what's happening in my life right now. And okay, let's connect you with the social worker so you can get that support. And let's go sit down and do half an hour of English so that you can leave school today feeling like you got something done. It's all, it's really neat how it just all kind of gels together. And I use it against them. Like, you don't like that? Then why don't you meet me halfway? Because I'm a human too. And then it's the real talk. Then it's the, well, this is what's going on. Or I hate this or I hate that. I'm like, okay, I understand. But that's just hurting you in the end. It's not helping you. What can we do to help you? Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's interesting. For sure. What did you draw today, my friend? Um, it looks like something's on a leash, but I don't know what that is. Is it a lizard? It's like a brain. Oh, it's a brain. <laughs> Anybody who listens to us, well, when Shref used to listen to us, he'd be so confused mm -hmm. because I can't sometimes decode what you've drawn. And that's not on you. That's on me. We're leader thoughting today. You're taking the brain on a walk. You've got it nice. on a leash. Yeah. Thought, see, I'm no thought leader. I couldn't do anything with that picture. It'll look better in the photo. It's the resolution, right? It's the resolution. Can I drop one thing in before we bust out? Of course. So it was the um, this past week when you and I were, were talking about 
I saw the brain. Kindiana Jones. There you go. Kindiana we... saw the brain. She's a thought leader. There we go. A leader. What What did I just tweet out? We're thoughting like a leader. Is that what you tweeted out? Yeah, we're thoughting like a leader. Hashtag thoughting like a leader. Um, so uh, when we touch base this week, sharing get up and go stories the dad get up and go stories oh the fathering and, yes yeah the fathering you know i've i've sort of I, I ended up doing a little bit of a rabbit hole on that and only only in so much as like i wanted to see okay as soon as it popped up in our conversation sometimes these things it might be new to you might be new to me new to us and talking about it but i had a strong suspicion that probably somebody else noticed this before and there was there was tons of articles about the difference between the sort of like structural cultural biological like there was a lot of lull um differences when we talk about uh fathering and mothering and i think in many ways, when you and I are talking about fathering, you know, one of the definitions that pops up, one of the definitions that pops up with fathering is just that idea of being there, being there for the the sex act to make a baby in some way, or not a sex act, but basically providing, you know, 50% of that, <coughs> 50% of that transaction to make a kid. Um and often when the the term mothering when it comes up it comes to, comes sort of more to the the social social like we're the nature we're the nature end of the definition and mothering is the nurture part of the end and um so that was one space differentiation i found out there but i was craving more about the the process piece so what's the nurturing how do how do you and you and i talk about you know dadhood all the time fatherhood but you know that idea of fathering and trying to make sure that we're existing in the process of fathering i don't think it's very difficult for you and i we're constantly you know sharing how we do in our own houses but it just struck me as a for me it felt important it felt important and it felt important to once again just to stay in that conversation with you definitely to stay in it and what i really liked about it and for listeners, there's not the full reveal here. Sorry, whoever's listening in. But basically, it comes down to, you know, how we, what role we play in getting ready in the morning. And then how do we kind of mentor our kids to be able to be ready in the morning on a school day. And we talked about, you and I, we talked about, you know, routines and how routines could change. And it was cool because this was the this was the the father swapping stories where there, there wasn't a judgment. It was literally sharing resources and it felt like i really liked that version of fathering and i don't have i might i might have three people in the world in my life that i talk about fathering with um and probably mostly i talk about it with you with you in our conversation that comes up so it's cool to be able to kind of flex that a little bit and to be able to bounce those ideas off of somebody else who is you know fathering as well I think it also caught my attention because I'm also trying to um, it just kind of comes up on the radar again, the Our Dad Shoes, that project that's still kind of like simmering hasn't quite I haven't quite cooked out the pot yet. <laughs> it's still simmering there. But the Our Dad Shoes thing coming up and, you know, just sharing stories about fatherhood and and kind of celebrating fatherhood in whatever version 
fathering comes to people. So I think I was primed without even knowing it to notice the difference in that term of fathering. And, and again, back to you, just appreciate the opportunity to be able to talk about what does that process look like? You know, what does that process of fathering look like for better, for worse, and uh, trying to learn more, trying to learn more. So that's, I just want to drop that. It's too I will, bad. Oh, are you a thought leader? And and just get, I'll claim it. I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a thought leader in my home. In your home? <laughs> no hashtag. I, I'm a thought leader in the car when I'm uh, chatting with you. <laughs> That's where <we are. laughs> That's where my thought leader begins and ends. Yeah, it's true. thought leadership. Can I put that in my portfolio? My professional portfolio. Yeah, yeah. Thought and like a leader. Well, this was uh, Season 5, Episode 26 of the Decoded Podcast. Hopefully, well, we'll do uh, Episode 27 when we get to it. Hopefully next Saturday, but who knows? I appreciate um, uh, meeting, re-meeting Kindiana Jones. And I don't know, uh, you know, I, I, I do I say? It's, do I say? I, I, I don't know. See, this is the interesting thing, right? So, folks, I won't even say Kindiana Jones is... Because uh, prior to this, Kindiana Jones was just a nom de plume. It was that uh, that writer's name, right? Um, but Kindiana Jones has maybe I don't know. Do we now know Kindiana's first name? But I'll leave that to Kindiana to say whether or not uh, they want to do the full reveal. But that's kind of is that kind of cool? That's kind of cool, right? Like I I don't mind people put you know I I I flex with the you know. Um, words keep wolves at bay thing and chasing squirrels like there's we've got i got different kind of dj names <laughs> M's, mc names so uh i like that i like to be able to put uh all this i'm assuming i'll assume putting a real name to uh kindiana's profile so that's cool um i think it's i think it's funny that uh kindiana uh posts something under a different name and then puts in brackets the kindiana jones so that yeah. we know who this is because we only know them by that eh yeah. yeah oh i do want to say one more thing just totally a pivot this is a little bit oh there we go okay so dominique dominique um it's nice to meet you dominique for the second time so back to the um back oh maybe maybe dominique didn't know i was going to say their name actually on the podcast but uh so um we were talking about donuts a couple of weeks back. Yes. And um, I mentioned to you yesterday doing the fathering thing. I think I mentioned in the polo and I was hustling over to a really good, really cool independent bakery in my town in Newmarket called Nutmeg. Props to Nutmeg. Always have loved their stuff. I think I mentioned on one of the other pods at some, maybe it was at like last summer, how frustrated I was. I couldn't get their sourdough bread. And then, you know, getting down there right after the podcast, like, sorry, actually watching someone walk away with a bag of something. And I'm like, oh, isn't that nice? Other people supporting nutmeg. And the person behind the counter saying, yeah, a person just bought that last, the last loaf of sour bread. And I'm in the moment like, well, I'm chasing that person down. Like, I'm going to offer them 10 bucks for that loaf of bread. I will overpay for that loaf of bread. Um, so nutmeg, props to nutmeg. They've, uh, they've definitely made an impact in town. So yesterday when it came up on my feeds, uh, and it doesn't happen, the algorithms obviously, I obviously don't pay enough attention to food, bakery foods, because I get a whole lot of burgers and steak posts on my Instagram, like the randoms you may like. Um, 
But on Insta, it came up, Nutmeg came up and it said, we're selling our Easter mini egg cookies, our brownies, and the chocolate chip cookies, brown butter chocolate chip cookies. Bro, they were delicious. Absolutely delicious. So I got them home. Everyone got a little taste of the desserts. And it was just the right little bit of sweetness. Mm-hmm. But they're it's good. Yeah. So anyone that's dropping into Newmarket, it's right across from the Maid's Cottage, like on the, the main strip downtown. Props to Maid's Cottage. You know, butter tarts. What, what? They're good. So get those two. And then you walk across the street and you get one of the cruffins or crables or whatever they're called from uh, Nutmeg. It's a good what, what kills me about this is the the time that I came to visit you in Newmarket. <laughs> I got there. I got there at a good time, and I was able to get to the maid's cottage to grab some butter tarts to bring back for the family. Mm-hmm. Had I known that Nutmeg was a stand up place across the street, I would have just grabbed my butter tarts, crossed the street, gotten some good stuff there, and then got back in the car. Those ones, um, I don't know if they would have lasted okay. as well as the butter tarts. So you would have been you would have been pounding it down on the way over to my house. So, um, but you know what? We'll spread out the love, right? Next time around, you know, you bring a cooler just to kind of yeah. keep some of that stuff a little bit, and you can you grab some eats locally. My kids are already talking about hitting the lazy river again this upcoming summer in the Lou and uh, hitting up the Lank for another. In in our family's assessment, the best fried chicken sandwich and curly fries we've ever had. So um, not that I'll be bringing one of those home, but it's, you know, I got food that I got to return to when I uh, head out your way. Cool. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, man. Okay. Well, I'm going to try to end this again. Okay. (laughs) This was season five, episode 26 of the Decoded podcast. And I'll catch you later. Ciao, man.